Bloody on the pages in a bookstore where I never spent a cent, but I have spent a lot of time walking to my cafe and they know me by my name. Will it be the usual the pretty girl says? And she's a woman around town. She's showing this old man how to pull the sandbags down. Our children will one day lead the world. We must give them all the tools that will help them be successful. Our fate lies on it. Sometimes the youngest athletes can have the greatest impact on society. The youngest Olympian of all time was Dimitris Landros in 1896. He was 10 years old. He won a bronze medal in gymnastics. Maybe this is a rare example, but there are plenty of other examples of young athletes reaching the top of the world in their sport, but not as young as Demetrius Landros. He showed tremendous de determination, developing strength and agility as a child. An athlete's drive to succeed is one thing that sets apart a good athlete from a high-level athlete? You know, I think as Olympic athletes, and probably, uh, you know, I'm still a little bit that way today, very focused person, very determined. And I think, you know, as you approach Olympic Games as Olympic athlete, your life gets more and more focused, right? So that mm -hmm. really uh, all your focus is going into this goal of winning an Olympic medal. And so when that changed and the doctor told me he didn't think I'd go to the Olympics and that, you know, I had this huge injury. I think there was part of, you know, my stuff that just couldn't, like, couldn't accept it because mm -hmm. I had been dreaming about it for so long and become so obsessed with it and so focused. Uh, I also think that when you're at that level in sport, you're in such amazing shape, you know, you, you, you train six to eight hours a day and so the ability to recover is also faster. Mm-hmm. Drive is something that can help athletes fight off injuries. For example, an initial hockey player might not even have any feeling in his body after blocking the puck at all. This determination also helps an athlete train. Intense training is something that all athletes require. This helps improve performance and speed. Um... I don't know. I think I'm just training as hard as I can right now, and uh, hopefully I can bring my times down. That would be amazing. But um, I'm just going to train and know that I'm doing my best to get better. There is little doubt that great athletes always give their all, and this improves the results. Sometimes, even athletes are surprised by their own performance. This can work both ways. Sometimes, feeling where they are expected to have done better. Sometimes, achieving great things with the greatest of underdogs do better than expected. Um, I think it was just I was a little surprised. Because I knew that I was pretty far behind at the 50, so I didn't think I would win a gold medal. And also, it's... It was my first Olympics, 
Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't really expect to go into your first Olympics winning medals, let alone gold medals. And um, I think I was just really surprised and really grateful for being able to be in the spot that I was. We can see how grateful and appreciative athletes are. Sportsmanship is something often seen in women's sports as there's great appreciation for each other and for their teammates. In individual sports, there have been many great accomplishments that serve as a reminder that women have an impact on sports. A classic one of these is Perdita Felician, who became the first Canadian female track star to become world champion. This came in Paris 2003, and it's undeniably a great moment in sports. You know, I wanted to be top five. We thought it was realistic that I could be top five, which for someone who, you know, wasn't ranked, you know, the top ten the year before, and is just making her mark, to make a final was a big yeah. deal, let alone to be top five. Yeah. So, but as we were racing through the rounds, and I was, I was just so poised, and I was so determined, that when I got to that line, I knew I had a shot. I didn't think it would be gold. I knew I was capable of anything, but I really didn't think it would be. It was gold. I thought, you know what? Maybe I can get a bronze, but I'll be happy with fifth. And I'm on that line, and I'm hungry, and I'm like, just, just, I'm nervous, right? Because you think of all the pressure and all the weight that is on you. And I kept thinking, Perdita, this is what you trained the whole summer for, because we were so focused. I said, don't back down now, because it's easy to back down when the moment comes. It's, it's, it's like you're, um, it's like you just feel all this pressure and crunches you down, like you're in a vice. And so when the gun goes bang, I'm uh-huh. running and running and running and getting a great start. And by the time I get to hurdle five, and there's 10 hurdles in, in, in the race, I realize I'm ahead only slightly, right? Because uh-huh. Bridget Foster of Jamaica is right beside me to my right, and uh-huh. she is the one to beat. And as the race is going on, and as I'm getting to only three hurdles left, two hurdles left, one hurdle, hurdle left, I'm like, oh my goodness, how <laughs> am I... Yeah. yeah, how am I pulling this off? And if anyone YouTubes that race from Paris in 2003 at the, at the World Championships, you will see as soon as I cross that line, my mouth goes, <gasps> and I clutch my, my mouth because I am so shocked. And I don't need the Jumbotron to tell me I have won. I already know. But it's simply unbelievable that I have been able to pull it off. But when I go back and look at how hard I worked, it made sense, right? It yep. made sense. This great achievement was a breakthrough and went down in history as one of Canada's great all-time sports moments. Athletes rely on fans as well as sponsors. There are many competitions that follow in succession to reaching the Olympic level. For example, there are the Nationals, the World Championships, and the Olympics. But there are many more challenges before you reach that level, starting simply with the city level. Um, it was a pretty fun meet. It was a little bit small, but um, there's definitely a lot of support there and a lot of fast swimming going on. And uh, I think I'm just really excited for the summer to see what the Canadian team can do. Every competition is challenging, and the competition gets tougher as you advance into the higher levels. 
At the Olympics, athletes have one chance to reach the podium and make their dreams a reality. There are many sacrifices an athlete makes in order to achieve Olympic status. The intense focus and commitment takes time away from many activities we take for granted. There is little time away from the gym and break from their sport. Every athlete has a story and different path. There is more than one path to reach the highest level. One of these is the college route. This allows athletes to get an education. Not all athletes get this chance. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, my time as a fighting Illini was some of the best because they made me prepared for to be an Olympian. I would say it would be winning... Winning the 2003 title, uh, NCAA title for Illinois, I think I had won it the year before in 2002. And it might seem obvious, well, the first one should be your favorite. No, it was the second one because I had to defend. And that had never been done, yeah, in school history before. And so I was able to come out and defend my NCAA title and win two. Um, You know, I won three three in total, one indoors and two outdoors. And so for me, that's what I'm most proud of, being Uh able to defend and really show that, you know, when you get to the top, you have to learn how to to stay there, and I was able to do that. There are great accomplishments made at the college level. Predators received many sponsors at the universities of Illinois. One example, college, is traditionally a great opportunity for many athletes to be recognized by scouts involved in the business and be drafted into professional sports. The world championships are considered the top of the world in sports. It is where champions are made and prepares athletes for the Olympics. Well, I certainly loved winning the world championships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once <laughs> won the world, it's hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly, right? You can say, I was number one in the world. <laughs> yeah. I will never be able to say that about anything else again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was also it was also a fantastic race. It was, uh, it was a really hard race. And I think when I look back at my career, it was those really hard races where you had an amazing competitor that, that – Stayed, stay in your mind, so that was really special. And then, of course, the next year, 1992, was special in a totally different way because, you know, I had the accident right before the Olympic Games. Like, nobody really thought I would win a, an Olympic medal, mm-hmm. uh, probably including myself. Like, I kept it inside my heart as a dream. But when I would look at my leg, and I had a skin graft and stitches and a broken ankle and a big kind of, indentation in my leg, I think, oh, man, like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> yeah. Right? And so winning that bronze medal was definitely a highlight in my career and definitely yeah. something that yeah. I just look back on again and again and go, okay, like, if that didn't show you early in life that anything is possible, then, like, what kind of miracle did you need? Mm-hmm. It is extremely hard to earn a medal in the Olympics. Unfortunately, injuries are often in the way of your Olympic goals and dreams. 
It's just making it to the games is a very big accomplishment. There is no better feeling in the world than winning an Olympic gold medal. All the hard work that goes into this brief moment makes all the training and sacrifices worthwhile. Right now, yes, I want yeah. to say it's the highlight of my life because it's just one of the main memories I have. The memory of that stands out as maybe the highlight of your life. Sports should never be all about winning. Even at the highest level, athletes are rewarded for sportsmanship. You should always do your best. That is all anyone can ask. Of course, what I always want for athletes is an athlete to have the opportunity to reach their potential. I think, you know, if you walk away from your sport and you come in sixth in the world and you know that, you know what, sixth was as good as I could do, like, that's pretty great, right? And you know that you gave it all and you did pretty darn good. But if you come in sixth and you know that with a better coach and a better environment, you could have been second, you could have been a gold medalist, you know, you're left with this feeling of not having been given the chance. Mm. So I'd like to see athletes being supported, you know, with the right leadership because I think that's what it takes. And I think there are great coaches out there. There's... There are really good coaches out there. So we have to keep investing in, in good coaches. And like I said before, we have to get more women, at, not only in coaches, but in leadership positions in coaching, whether it's at the university levels, uh, at UVic, uh, where we have a stronger representation um, for women coaches, uh, or, you know, on the national team and the provincial team levels and in, even in the high school level. All the hard work is geared towards peak performance. At the end of the day, the highest honor for a professional athlete is not winning medals, but being recognized as a great athlete. Silken is one of the most recognized Canadian athletes. She has been honored as Canada's greatest athlete and is one of Canada's greatest rowers. Very, very fortunate uh, to win Canada's Athlete of the Year, to win the Wilma Ruta Courage Award, um, to win Canadian Athlete of the Year. And they're all, you know, they're all amazing uh, to, to be seen for your accomplishment beyond your sport. But I think it's the medals and the experiences are still the most special mm -hmm. because they're things you kind of feel like you earned. Um, there's a lot of great athletes who never get athlete of the year, you know, wouldn't be recognized internationally uh, because they don't have that profile. And my accident in 1992 gave me a lot of profile in this country. And, um, you know, I've been given awards and recognitions and I'm appreciative of them all. Uh, but the, the moments that like really, really stand out um, are, are the ones that I feel like I earned in that moment, and I either won or I didn't win. Silken is recognized as a pioneer in the female movement, a movement that recognizes female athletes for their achievements. Silken was recognized in a time when women are not always appreciated in sports. This is a very important issue to our communities in Canada. There is a generation of girls and women who need a hero, and need inspiration 
Silicon provides that. This is still a male-dominated field for coaches, physiotherapists, managers, and many other areas of sports. In order to make a fair and equal opportunity in sports, women need to be encouraged to take part in all facets of the sporting business. We need more focus by major corporations on professional female athletes and competitions. We need more funding for women in sports, as the NFL's team salary cap in 2016 was an appalling $115.27 million which is more than female athletes worldwide. It is not easy to become a physiotherapist. Moving into the field takes a lot of dedication and hard work. It is a very competitive business. I did a four-year bachelor degree, and so it's pretty academically extensive. And then with on top of that, you also need 1,200 hours of experience, so working on sports teams and in clinics just to kind of get you introduced to what you're going to be doing once you graduate. And then on top of that, you... Um, you need to take a certification exam that's nationwide, and if you pass that, then you can technically be certified as an athletic therapist. There are many steps involved in gearing up for career in the field. It is great to see physiotherapists get involved for all the right reasons. It can be a very positive thing to help athletes be the best they can be. I like the idea of just of helping people and seeing someone from a go from a debilitated state to full functioning again. Um, it's really gratifying to know that I help them with achieving their goals, and um, I just love that aspect of just helping people. It's always been a big part of my life, so I kind of wanted to, you know, do a career that was following along the same lines. In a situation, you are not always given the full picture. There is so much going on behind the scenes that is so important to competition. This is one example of that. Well, so far it's been wonderful. I mean, the, the first feat was, of course, to uh, start that campaign trail and get to know as many of my constituents and and hear their issues and concerns. And then, of course, uh, Election Day in May was was a big night. And as much as you plan and prepare for it and you think that it's what uh, you had intended or what you envisioned, it uh, never quite turns out that way. Though politics may not be the most common path for an athlete to take, in Michelle is one of the examples of an athlete living beyond their sport. We need a more fair play attitude towards professional sports. Money must not be the focus. Women in sports is often a great example of fair play in the business of women in sports. It is much less corrupt, if not at all, compared to the professional male sports. Oh, the Paralympics is just such a, an amazing movement because of it normalizes disability. So elite sport is great, but uh, my priority is never to win as many medals as possible. My priority is to normalize disability um, and to create role models, to create role models for young Canadians. And we need those positive people in our lives to look up to and, and, and to give us inspiration and motivation. And I think the Paralympics is the perfect place to provide that because... Uh -huh. 
you're seeing the underdog win every time. Because right. if you have a disability, you're automatically the underdog. You know, you're working hard to live your life with a disability, to live with the challenges that that presents within itself, and then become an elite athlete on top of that. So I think that that is inspiring to see underdogs rise up and excel physically despite having a physical disability. It's so inspiring. Um, mm-hmm. And to normalize disability. A lot of times people get uncomfortable around disability. And when you see someone in the, um, the, uh, being viewed as a champion, as an inspiration, as you know somebody that you want to be like, who also has a disability, you're normalizing it. And that is so important that in our country that there is no condition, physical, emotional, cognitive, that scares people. Right. You know, people are just people. And But when you're not surrounded by it, when you don't see it on a regular basis, I think people are uncomfortable with what they're not familiar with. So I think the Paralympics normalizes disability as well as creates role models mm-hmm. for, our, for Canadians. Yeah, well, I think access in in, in so many uh, areas of uh, special needs community, not and not only like just just people with disabilities, accessibility. We always have to keep improving it, and you know we're very fortunate. We are in the position where for our daughter, um, who uh, who has severe autism, mm-hmm. who needs two individuals working with her at all times who has 24-hour care, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to afford to do that for her. Mm. Most, most families can't do this for their, for their children and now for, you know, their young adults. And so, you know, the kind of resources that are needed to teach a, a child, for instance, with autism to ride a bike, you know, pretty, probably two, three people at, at a time and some real consistent coaching to get somebody to ride a bike. Mm. And, you know, it's easy to look at that and go, okay, it's X amount of dollars and it's only one person learning to ride a bike. And when we were making those decisions in our foundation, again, we said, yeah, maybe it's just one child and we could probably get five or six, um, you know, other kids riding a bike. But this is going to be more important in their world because Mm -hmm. they don't have the same opportunities as those other six or seven kids. Right. And, and that's that's what I see over and over again is that there's not as many opportunities, and that's that needs to be changed. Like our kids, um, our other three kids all went to great schools, okay. and at some point they got to choose to go to uh, a private school. And when we started to look for our special needs daughter, a lot of the schools were in the basement of churches, and mm-hmm. you know, in the back rooms of schools. And there was such, it was one of those moments where you're like, wow, this is really unbelievable. This is, this is, there's so much contrast Hmm. between what you could access. Obviously, we had the financial resources to access, but even still, with the financial resources to access for our special needs daughter, there was nothing available that was even sort of the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, Next week uh, in Vancouver on November 9th, we're opening the Good Life, um, the Good Life um, Kids 
Community Autism Center, the hub in Vancouver, and it is a huge project in conjunction with the provincial government here in British Columbia. And there, you know, that that's going to be a place where um, families of autistic uh, individuals who have autism and um, individuals who have autism will come and get a lot of the support they need from. You know, there'll be behavioral therapists in the, do- in the building. There'll be doctors mm-hmm. associated with the center. There will be, um, you know, music therapists associated with the center. And it's this idea that when you have a child that's diagnosed with autism, as my husband did, I wasn't with him when um, Keely was really young, but, you know, I've been with her through her teen years. It's like there's not a roadmap, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you really have, you know, you have really no idea of where you go from here when your child is diagnosed or when they're having behavioral problems. It seems it's very lonely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you, you don't know who to talk to about it and you don't know where to go. And we're hoping that the center will really bring um, resources and knowledge and people together and that we'll all start learning from one another. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not one person in particular, but, you know, from uh, the first person that would come to my my mind would be Rick Hansen. Uh, you know, over the years, he's become a, a great friend of mine and a great support, and, you know, he's somebody that I can always turn to to uh, help give me the encouragement that I, that I need. The Paralympics provides great inspiration for all of us. Michelle followed in the footsteps of her inspiration and friend, Rick Hansen. The role of an athlete fulfilling their dream can in turn inspire others to know the possibility of their dreams being realized. Yeah, I think when you think of those two names, you think of, you know, like the best who's ever done it in Canadian history of sprinting, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have really... (laughs) Ah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. I just think they've really um, opened the door for an Andre de Grasse, who, of course, had a fantastic, mm, yeah. you know, Olympics, three Olympic medals at yeah. his age. I mean, unbelievable what sprinting, you know, prowess Canadians have. And I think that's something we should all take pride in, that we are, you know, on the map when it comes to track and field in this country. Donovan Bailey, Bernie Cern, Andre de Grasse and Petita Felician are part of a family. Their successes influence each other and they work as a team. The individual's failures also impact these athletes greatly as a team. Perdita was a heavy favorite to win gold at the Athens Olympics in 2004. It was in the 100-meter hurdles. In a dramatic twist of fate, in Athens in the finals, Felician failed to clear the first hurdle and fell into the adjacent lane, knocking down another competitor and was disqualified. This was a great devastation and devastating event for Perdita and her hopes to win the Olympic gold. Yeah, you know, when something that, that devastating happens to you and it's physical, there, you don't feel very much, right? Like, the trauma is, is yes, emotional and psychological, but it's also very physical, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so if you think about having all the adrenaline coursing through you, then something that jarring happens, right? Your body is just trying to protect itself, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm not feeling very much. It's just complete numbness and devastation, you know? And as the minutes go by and you're realizing, I just fell at the Olympic Games. You know, I've been unbeaten leading up to this point in a string of races. I have proven round after round that I deserve to be here and I am the person to beat. And to have your downfall happen like that, it's heartbreaking. Oh, I imagine. And, yeah, and I had no idea that I had impeded Irina Shevchenko of Russia. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until a couple of days later where I actually read that I had um, impeded her in her race. So she couldn't oh, even okay. finish her race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I didn't know. And so when something like that happens to you, you just rally as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked about the team that's around me. That team was still there. Right? right? But it's a hazard of doing 100-meter hurdles. You could hit stuff. It's exactly. in your way. They're called hurdles for a reason. Yeah. Facing failure is part of sports. But these athletes who train so intensely, and so for Perdita, it was heartbreaking. No matter how famous Penny became, one thing that did not change is her lifestyle. This is not what the community might think or expect. It does bring a new perspective. Um, I don't think it's really changed my lifestyle that much. I think it definitely brought a lot of opportunities for me, like just getting to like meet people, go to sports games, getting to like be a part of parades where I get to meet people that are supporting me and everything. I think it's given me opportunities, but it hasn't really changed my lifestyle because my lifestyle is basically just the exact same. <laughs> It's easy to see the great compromises and personal sacrifices made in order to be a successful athlete. It is not only important to take part in sports, but to commit to it as a part of your routine. Mm, Great question. Um, I think for me it would be more of a grassroots focus. So I think we put a lot of focus on medals, and for me... What I would feel very satisfied to see over the next couple decades is to have the priority that every Canadian is healthy and active and participating in sport. It is so important for people to be physically active, uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, and just for the bottom line of our economy. I mean, healthcare costs will go down. Uh, I think there's just so much benefit to having Canada be more involved in sport and and being healthy and active, whether it's on a recreation level or a competitive level. um, That way, you know, we are creating a healthier, more active community, but we're also creating a larger pool for people to compete in the Olympics or Paralympic Games. So I think that, you know, for me, it's a grassroots focus. It's going from the bottom up. Uh, I think that we'll be more successful on the international stage, as well as just creating a better country. Well, again, I think achievement, you know, it has to come from an internal motivation, something that you want to do because for no other reason than you want to do it because it speaks to you, because there's a passion internally to do it. I think to do something with the idea of becoming famous or the idea of somebody else saying, wow, you did it, it just doesn't work, you know. And I I say this to my kids, you know. I've got my son rowing at University of Washington, and 
you know, I'll, I'll say to him, like, you know, at the end of the day, you have to love it. It's a really hard sport. Mm-hmm. It, you row in the rain. You row in the cold. You lift weights. You're tired all the time. So if you don't want to do it, don't do it, right? If you want to do it, then do it well, right? Mm-hmm. Do it with some passion. Um, and I, and I, I, I think that's the advice I would give to everybody is, like, you know, Whatever you're doing, if you're at university, so many kids go to university these days and they want to plan right from grade, right from first year university. And I said to my kids, like, go to university and in the first year, like, let, let your brain get bigger. <laughs> let, mm-hmm. let, 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 let university expand your horizons in some way mm-hmm. and show you what you might be interested in that you never knew existed because most young people have a very narrow idea of the kind of professions and the mm-hmm. kind of uh, lifestyles and the kind of opportunities that are out there mm-hmm. uh, for them. And I think that, you know, university and high school, the end of high school, are great opportunities to do a little bit of exploring. Beyond sports, education goes hand in hand with other subjects as part of an overall skill set used to develop the human brain and body? You know, I think what I learned from rowing and not just 1992 Olympics, but, you know, uh, that road to becoming world champion, um, also some of the really tough times, 88, and finding the courage and the strength to go on after 88, and I guess in some ways the hope, you know, to mm-hmm. go on. Um, I think that it really has transferred to life after sport. Um, when I think back to 1992 and some of the emotions I had after that accident and, and, and my, the strength of my belief, the power of my conviction that I could recover from this accident. So often in life now when I have something that seems kind of insurmountable and seems like it's so far away, I think back to that time and I think, you know, what I did back then was pretty well impossible. And I mm-hmm. did it because, you know, I just believe so strongly. And in my life today, I am surrounded by a lot of people who are pretty amazing in their convictions and their beliefs. And um, I see them, you know, regularly doing things that are pretty amazing and not many other people would ever do. And it really, to me, shows me the power of being incredibly determined and believing really strongly in something uh, and how I think most of us give up before we even get out of the gate. Mm-hmm. We, we give up way too early. After Silken's accident, she continued to row at the highest level. Silken also has given back to her community greatly. She has taught persons not to judge themselves before giving it your all. Stephanie is one of the most decorated Canadian athletes of all time. Her biggest successes came at a very young age. Despite her challenges, she is an inspiration for young girls, especially girls with challenges. Yeah, Sydney was uh, an extraordinary experience. I was only 16 years old and traveling around the world to compete for Canada was, you know, just the most incredible thing in, in the entire world for me, just, just to travel to Australia alone was a big deal. And then to get to 
stand up on a podium and hear the national anthem was just a, a real dream come true. And I had my parents there in the stands. Um, and, you know, it didn't start off on a great note. I think that I went in a little bit, um, I don't know, a bit of an arrogant teenager maybe and uh-huh. thought that I would just, you know, destroy the competition. And, and I think I was focused on winning instead of, doing all the work to get there and right. trying to do my best. So my first race was actually quite a big disappointment. I didn't go best time and I didn't win as I was expecting to. Um, and so that was a bit of a reality check. You know, I think that nothing can prepare you for the first time you race in front of 17,000 people and, you know, swimming is Australia's biggest sport. So they had the stands were packed every night and we were like celebrities there, people asking for our autographs. And, and I, I don't think I was quite prepared for that. So the first uh-huh. race I, I let that, I let my nerves get to me and I focused on winning instead of the process. And so that was a really rough start. And um, I think the thing I'm most proud of from those games is I was able to turn it around and I was able to really learn from that disappointment uh-huh. Um and and come back around on the other side so to start focusing on the process instead of the result and to remember just how grateful I was to be there and to be able to represent my country and to do it to the best of my ability um and so you know gathering my confidence back up after a really disappointing start to the meet and to be able to come home with five gold medals and five world records it was you know just more I think proud of the character that I showed uh, rather than the medals She has earned many awards and world records since then. She is a good example for our children. The Olympics is not the only high-level competition for athletes belonging to a core Olympic sport. The success that Perdita shares is truly groundbreaking. Yeah, I was um, I was so hungry for that competition at the Pan Am Games in 2003. You know, it's big enough that it has some profile, but it's not so overwhelming, you know, that the whole entire world is watching. And so I remember being so thirsty and so hungry, and that was my motivation. Mm-hmm. And um, I got second to Bridget Foster of Jamaica. And interestingly enough, that was the rematch that we faced a couple, not even a couple weeks, less than two weeks later, a few days right. later, mm-hmm. at the World Championships, yeah, in, in Paris, that same summer. Perdita is known as one of Canada's great all-time sprinters. Her success means so much to the next generation and inspires the nation because of how rare her level of success truly is. Due to the amount of success top and athletes can have, They often are intruded upon by the public when they go out into the community for dinner, for a movie. This has not really changed the way Penny lives or the way she approaches her daily routine. For Penny, her classmates have been gracious to her and they treat her like any other friend or sibling. Yeah, um, I think not as crazy as people would think like going back to school after that just because um I knew almost everyone at my school before I left because I go to a pretty small school and I just think going back everyone kind of already knew who I was they knew that like 
I went to the Olympics, they watched all that, and it wasn't anything like too crazy for them, I guess. Penny is in grade 11. She was born in Toronto, Ontario. This year, the Canadian World Trials were in Victoria, B.C., and Penny once again was very successful. She signed autographs and greeted the public with enthusiasm. Her visit was not very long, but she had a small glimpse of what the capital city is like to be a tourist. Um, I'm having a lot of fun in Victoria. I mean, I haven't really got to go around and see a lot other than like having my friends who live here drive me around for like food or something. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like that's kind of the life of <laughs> somewhere. It's like when you go somewhere, you don't really travel. You just kind of go there and you see a hotel and a pool usually. Right, okay. Except for like the bigger meets, like the Olympics, you get right. to go around and see Rio and everything. So I think it's just the bigger meets, you get to see more of the culture and get to experience it a little bit more. She visits many cities traveling the world to compete. This is one of her favorite things about being an athlete. There are many perks that come with the territory. One of the perks is sightseeing. This can serve as an education that some are not able to receive in the classroom as they focus on sports intensely and do not have much time to focus on school. Even though many athletes miss out on completing an education, their excelled physical state is something that gives them an outstanding advantage in many areas of life. Health and overall physical development are one of those. Human development starts at infancy. Without exercise, the body is subject to obesity and mental health problems. Studies show that lack of exercise shortens lifespans and possibly contributing to developmental delays resulting in mental disabilities. Oh gosh, it's so important. It's so important because I think it's, it's important to start an, a child doing sports, not even necessarily doing sports, being physically active when they're really young, mm-hmm. whether they're one or three and they go for a walk or you know, they're at the park and they you know, go for little jogs here and there. It's important because that is part of a lifestyle. And that is something, whether they are one or 100, that is something that will always be a part of who they are. Right. And it's really, really important because you learn self-esteem. You learn, you know, as an, a young athlete, how to get over setbacks. You learn how to be social, right? Mm-hmm. And how to just be a good human. How about right. that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. sportsmanship. So I, I think it's really, really important. Of course it is. That, um, yeah, that we, as young people in society, really support health and wellness. A person who gets regular exercise gets hooked on it and is more likely to serve and live a better life and balanced life. A dream has power. The dream of becoming a professional athlete gives these individuals a more full, prosperous life. Yeah. You know, for me, in my sport, the, the goal is always win an Olympic gold medal. That's how you know you've made it. I would say to people and young people who have a dream and have a goal is absolutely never give up. 
But I will say being years away now, three, three, yeah, three, almost four years now, no, four or five, I should say, four or five years away from being retired, the sweetness, the gold medal is the journey. It's really the pursuit. So whatever goal, whatever path, whatever you want to be, you know, it could be a doctor, it could be a multimillionaire, it could be a lawyer, you know, it could be an athlete, a coach, whatever. The pursuit is putting together that plan and getting there. How do I get to this place tomorrow? How do I get there in a year? How do I get there in five years, right? Mm -hmm. And I look back at all those people I've met and all the journeys that I've had and all the setbacks that I've had. They've really afforded me a very rich, a very robust, a very great perspective about life. And to me, that is the most thrilling adventure. Um, so anybody I have, yes, have the long, long game, but also think about where you are now and how this will play out in you know, the greater scheme of your life, which is just getting to where you want to be and just having fun in the process. As is so evident, becoming an athlete requires a great amount of work and the support of a whole team of trained specialists. The athlete's success depends on a tight working team working together in a shared purpose. Definitely. Um, I, I kind of want to do my master's in physiotherapy, and that just kind of expands my clientele. So that's another two years of school that I plan on doing within the next year. Um, and that way I can deal from, you know, high, high elite athletes to geriatrics to, you know, young individuals and everyone in between. Everyone in it is the trainer's job to keep athletes healthy and cared for. They often don't get the credit they deserve. A physiotherapist is an expert of the body. By giving an athlete an idea of what is happening with their body, they are able to help an athlete reach their physical potential. An athlete who knows what he needs to do to excel is able to follow specific steps to get there. Uh, you know, sport has always been a part of my life ever since I was a little girl. So uh, growing up, I played ringette, baseball, basketball. I ran track, and, you know, I did everything with my, my big brother. If him and his friends were playing street hockey in the street, I was out there, too, yelling, car. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was always, it's just always been something uh, in my nature. loved swimming uh, at the cottage, riding my bike. I just uh, loved to challenge myself, and so... After my injury, when uh, I was 17 and a half, it uh, didn't really take a, a side uh, position in my life. It still remained at the forefront. Michelle refuses to let her injury slow her down. She is so inspirational, and it sends a message to all people, especially those with challenges, that our challenges never need to stop us. Attitude is a game changer. Just ask Stephanie, who overcame her challenges and won five golds and established five world records in Sydney 2000 Paralympics at the age of 16. It is important to have the right attitude. Sometimes athletes can make a switch in their approach and attitude and become better athletes for it. I mean, um, it, it's kind of crazy to look back on it and see, you know, I think I competed for 14 years in total, and it it kind of is, is shocking to me that I was able to do that over such a long period of time because when you're in it, you don't think about the big picture. You just think, you know, it's a lifestyle. Like today I'm going to practice, and then I'll go to another practice later on today. 
um, and to have done the amount of training and the amount of work that we had done to look back on it, you know, getting up at 4.45 in the morning, two hours of practice all day in class, and then do that again in the afternoon, uh-huh. two more hours of practice day after day after day. I just really can't believe I was able to do that. But when you have an incredible, an incredible support system and it's just your lifestyle. It's not a question if you want to go to practice or not. You just do it. Right. Um, and all of the ups and downs, it's just a part of it. And I think just taking it one day at a time um, and doing something that you love, suddenly 14 years flashes before your eyes. And I, I can't believe that my career lasted that long. But it's because I was loving it. I was loving every minute of it. Right. And learning and growing. And, mm-hmm. you know, my best friends are from my swimming career. So I think that it's important you love what you do and you're surrounded by people who are supporting you and that's how you get through the ups and the downs and and a 14-year career in anything. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight and it's so interesting because you kind of um, do all these things and you get the praise and you get the attention and you get the great interviews, right, like we're doing now. But, like, behind me, there's a full team of people. There's your coach. There's your support system, which is your family, right? There's your agent. There's so many people involved. I had such a good backing. Athletics Canada, our federation was good to me, uh, this, the, the backing of Nike at the time. And so all the things that I, I was able to achieve, it was not a one-woman show, right. even though it, it, it looks like it. And of course, you know, the first woman in Canadian history in track and field to ever win a gold medal at the World Championships, I mean, you don't make that sort of history by yourself. So I was really, really fortunate in that regard. Perdita's support team is extensive. Everything from trainers to dietitians. There are so many requirements an athlete's body and mind needs to reach peak performance. The encouragement an athlete needs in order to compete is so important at the start of their journey and throughout. Perdita wasn't sure if she truly wanted to commit. But once she got motivated, there was no stopping her. I chose the the university in the NCAA route um, reluctantly. I will be honest, I was getting recruited in 1998 and 99 very heavily because I was doing so well on the Ontario high school level. So I, I won two Canadian junior titles. And I was getting all these recruiting letters from universities, um, Rice, Florida, the University of Illinois, Stanford, Harvard. I was getting recruited heavily. But I had known nothing about the NCAA system. I was a very reluctant athlete. In fact, my first two years of high school, I quit track completely. And I didn't start again until the end of grade 10. And so it was my high school sweetheart at the time who was a track geek. He loved track. And he was a triple jumper, but he kept sending his tapes NCAA schools and no one would ever send him back and offer him scholarships and he's seeing his girlfriend here of two years who's getting all these scholarship offers and ignoring them and I remember talking to one school in Illinois and they were recruiting me and I was so like overwhelmed I said to Gary Winkler I said it was May of 99 I said sir um, can you please stop calling my house I don't want a scholarship and I'm going to stay here and and go to school here and he was polite and he never called me back Uh and so my boyfriend that summer said Perdita, like, you see me here struggling to get the attention of these Division One schools. Here you are basically having the pick of the litter. He's like, just 
look into it because I wasn't even open to it. He's like, right. just look into it and see what happens. He's like, you will be old and gray one day and you might regret it. And he's like, I'm not saying you have to go, but just try. And the issue I, I had was really like, my mom was a, you know, um, an immigrant. She was from St. Lucia. You know, I was a first generation Canadian. So the sports system was nothing that she or I really knew how to navigate. And so when these letters of recruitment came, she actually thought they were bills. She thought they were, they were telling us to pay $25,000 a year to go to school. And, of course, she couldn't afford them. And so when you ask me, well, how did you choose the college system? I really didn't. I kind of just had a really good boyfriend at the time who, you know, I'm still in touch with. He's married and has kids and everything. But who realized this is an opportunity and wasn't like, didn't begrudge me or wasn't jealous of me who just thought you should really just see this through. Uh-huh. And I did. An already successful young high school sprinting star and a first-generation Canadian, Perdita wanted to stay in Canada and live a simpler life rather than the legendary track star. But it was the best thing that ever happened to her, and she has no regrets. Perdita helps us understand why it is so important to support our athletes. Truly, anything is possible. Walking around town thinking about someone else It's a nice change to take the focus off myself Seeing good in things I only usually see bad Seeing happy faces where I usually see sad Dirty on the pages in a bookstore where I Never spent a cent but I have spent a lot of time Walking to my cafe and they know me by my name Will it be the usual the pretty girl says And she's a woman around town Showing this old man how to pull the sandbags down, to blow holes in the clouds. Fell in love with my own metropolis today. You can be its Superman, I'll be its lowest lane. Tomorrow we place but you can never wipe the stupid smile off my face today it was a high tide mark i have never reached the ocean that is growing guess that's good news 